Good morning. My name is Arturo, and this is the Morning Meditation Podcast. Today's meditation is called Connection Part 3, about all the elements in the book of Jonah, and there's lots of them. Writers call this type of writing content-rich. There's a lot of information here. There's a lot of different connections that are here. There's so much that one episode can't cover it all. But we're going to go through several different things that I find here. Now, in pop culture, there's uh, there's been depictions of people being swallowed by fish or by whales. And probably the most famous one is from Pinocchio. And we might think of the Disney cartoon from 1940. But that was an old, old story that was written in Italy uh, about the character Pinocchio. And it developed eventually into what we know now. But in the original stories, they had this part that was about the terrible dogfish and it's a huge fantastic fish that's really scary and can you know swallow i think they said it could swallow a whole ship and i wonder if that was inspired by the book of jonah but there's other stories in pop culture too i found one called the devil whale and it has to do with uh sailors being confronted by this huge whale, um, interesting stuff. Uh, but I always wonder where that came from and if it's truly connected to this story. Uh, I tend to think it is because this story is so old and has been around for so long and it was well known. I mean, the Bible is well known by lots of people, especially in history. It was a big thing. So, One of the other things that I see in here uh, is the use of words. I mean, you talk about direction. In in this story of Jonah, he was called to go to Nineveh. Now, from where he was, Nineveh was northeast. And because he decided not to go that way, he went to Joppa. If you look on a map, Joppa is southwest. It's the complete opposite of where Nineveh would would be towards uh, for him. And in the story, it talks about the direction that Jonah went. Jonah went down to Joppa, down to the ship, down to the bottom of the ship. He went down into a deep sleep. And when the storm came and he told the sailors, throw me into the water, he went into the water and he went down even further because he was swallowed by a fish and the fish took him down under the water. And that's as low as you can get. But uh, in the storm... The captain told him, get up. So we talk about, you know, down, down, down. Jonah kept going down. The captain told him to get up. When Jonah was in the fish, his prayers went up. And it says that he prayed towards the temple. He was facing a specific direction. At least he thought he was. He hoped he was. In his mind, his prayers were going towards the temple. It also says when uh, he did finally preach to the people of Nineveh, it says they turned away from their sin. So their direction was in the opposite of where they had been going. They repented. They were going away from their sin. And interestingly, the message that Jonah said was that there would be destruction. There's destruction coming. But yet, it says that God relents. He turns away from destruction. He turns away from sending destruction because of his mercy, because of his love, because of his greatness. We're going to talk about greatness. But God 
turns away from sending destruction. That's part of his character, and that's what we talked about last time. So the other symbols that are used here are something like uh, the fish. Now, I talked about how the fish represents a tomb, but it also represents complete hopelessness. Because Jonah, when he was down in the ship, uh, was confronted by a storm. Everybody was. And it became so hopeless that the sailors, even though they didn't want to, ended up throwing Jonah into the water. They, they tried to avoid it. They tried to fight it. But it seemed like it got more and more hopeless. Well, when you go into the water in a storm and a fish swallows you and the fish takes you down, that's complete hopelessness. I mean, what hope do you have of getting out of that? Jonah hoped to get away from God's call on his life by going down to Joppa, by taking a ship, by running, running, running. But yet, he had a hope that maybe he could do something else. When it became really hopeless, he said, well, maybe I'll just die. Come on, throw me into the, into the water. And so he was thrown into the water, but yet the fish swallowed him. And now he's isolated wrapped in seaweed. He was in there three days. I mean, that's a really hopeless situation. If you think like, oh, well, I got swallowed and then I got spit out. But to be in there three days, wrapped in seaweed, to be alone, it's solitary confinement. It's complete hopelessness. That's what solitary confinement is supposed to be. It's supposed to take away your hope. That's why it's a punishment. It's one of the greatest punishments there is. And that's what Jonah was facing here, complete hopelessness. That's one of the things that the fish represents. And we look at Nineveh. Nineveh was a city of 120,000 people. That's huge, especially in ancient days. That was a really big city. And it represents the greatness of our potential. How much is in us? How much we could do? What's available to us? But it also represents the greatness of our sin. It says that the wickedness of the city has come up to God. God knew about their reputation. He knew about who they were and what they were doing. It was so bad that it came knocking on God's door. That's how it is for us. We have great potential for good, but we also have great potential for evil. It's inside of us, and we have to choose that's one of the things this story's about. So those are the symbols that we see. But we also see irony. The story's really ironic because the prophet is called of God, and that is an elevated position. Jonah's a prophet. He is honored, admired in the society, the Jewish society of that day. Being a prophet was an honored position. <clears throat> Yet he's the one who flees. The prophet, the man of God, is the one that flees from God. And you look at the sailors, they're the ones that pray. They're pagans, and they're the ones that are praying. And not just that, they admonish Jonah to pray. The captain calls on him and says, What are you doing? Why aren't you praying? <clears throat> Excuse me. You see the prophet sleeping in the storm. I mean, that's ironic. A storm is going on, the ship is being tossed to and fro, and what are you doing? 
you're sleeping. The irony of the worst sinners repenting. Nineveh was a great city and great was its sin. And yet those people repented. The irony here is that Jonah never does. Even at the end of the story, we don't see Jonah repenting. We only see that God's confronting him. We also see, ironically, that the king humbles himself. How often do we see that happen? How much do our leaders really humble themselves? How many times does a manager apologize? Think about people who are in great positions. They're usually not described as humble. That's usually not the way that they carry themselves. They can't afford to do it most of the time because they have to lead. And yet, in this story, we see, ironically, that this king, the guy sitting on the throne, humbles himself. He repents. He starts to pray. He turns away from his sin. We also see that when God has mercy on Nineveh, the prophet is mad. Jonah's a pretty ironic character because he delivers a message and a great, thing's ha a great thing happens. There's, a, there's a, an entire city that turns away from its sin. There's a revival that happens. And yet, he being the prophet of God is mad. He's mad that the work has, has been done. He's mad about God's mercy and goodness. The other ironic thing about Jonah is that he loves the vine. When... God relented. This is in chapter 4. Jonah goes out to see if he's going to destroy the city. Even though <clears throat> he sees the revival, he sees the people repent, he wants to know, maybe, maybe God will still judge these people. <clears throat> and so he's out east of the city and God provides a vine to come up over his head and to shield him from the sun. And Jonah loves this vine. Well, then a worm comes and eats it, and the vine goes away. And Jonah's upset. He wants to die because of the vine. And God confronts him. You know, you care so much about the vine. Shouldn't I care about this city? And Jonah says he wants to die. He says, you know, I wish I had that vine. I sure do wish I had the vine. I can't stand those people, and I wish you would judge them, but I love that vine. That's pretty ironic. So there's all this buildup in the story. There's all this greatness going along. The greatness of the city, the greatness of their sin, the great storm, the great fish, this great prophet, the great prophecy that happens, the great miracle that happens that he lives three days and three nights. All this amazing stuff, this huge buildup, and yet there's no conclusion. And that's ironic too. So the last thing that we see <clears throat> is that Jonah represents us. He represents our tendency to avoid God, even though we're the people of God, even though we're believers. We can believe in God, we can pray, we can dedicate our lives to the Lord, and yet still avoid Him, yet still be hard in our hearts, just like Jonah. There's potential for us to fail, because the calling is on us, but yet we're given free will. That's who we are. We can look at Jonah and see ourselves like a mirror. One of the hardest things to do is to look at who you are and what your tendencies are, how much you fail and how much you do that doesn't line up with God's word. 
the more acquainted you become with God's word, the smaller you feel. That's the way I've seen it. That's the way I understand it, because I see how good, how awesome, and how great God is, and it only makes me feel smaller. We see God's love, God's mercy, and God's compassion towards us, that even though there's a great hardness of our hearts, even though there's a tendency of us not to be loving, not to be like God, He still loves us. Look what He did for Jonah. Jonah is the hardest of the hard. His heart was hard even to the end. His attitude was bad. He would rather die than have God give mercy to people he doesn't like. That's a pretty hard dude. He's harder than any of us, possibly. That's part of the point of the story. But yet God kept him three days and three nights. The word of the Lord came again to Jonah. He was given a second chance. Even when he was hoping that God would still kill his enemies, God provided the vine. He provided shade for him. He comforted him. He provided a warning with him. He reasoned with Jonah. He came and spoke to him. He could have said, you know what, Jonah, I don't need you. You know what, Jonah, you did what you were supposed to, but you're still a hard dude. I'm getting rid of you. But yet he didn't. And that's what I see that Jonah represents in us. Not just the hardness and the failure, not just the tendency to not go towards God and his will, but also the compassion of God, the great mercy that God has on him and on us. Sometimes I think that's the whole point of this story. The point is to show you, ironically, what does and doesn't happen, to show you the greatness of the things that happen, not just in the story, but in our own lives. There's great potential, yet there's great potential for sin. But there's also something more important, the great mercy, the great love, the great compassion of God towards us and even towards people that we don't like. This is the Morning Meditation Podcast. Thank you for listening.